If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1. And I know your thought is, well, we just finished 28 last week. We're going all the way back to 1, and the answer is yes. We are um, going to finish up this series uh, that we started a while back uh, this morning. And so uh, we finished the, the book last week, and so we're going to finish the series uh, this week. And so last week we look at Paul taking every opportunity he has to share the gospel, to tell people about Jesus, no matter what the situation And see, what Paul had settled at, where he landed, was the fact that he knew that there would be a cost. And he knew that that cost would be great. But the thing about the Apostle Paul that just uh, really intrigues me or really uh, makes me jealous of is the fact that he knew the cost would be great, but he knew the cost would be even greater if he didn't. We tracking? You know what I'm saying? He knew the cost would be great to tell people of Jesus, and it eventually cost him his life, but he knew that it would be far greater if he did not tell people about Jesus because it was going to cost them their life. Thank you. Come on, church, wake up a little bit. Wake up, that's, that's so true. The apostle Paul, all that he'd give, all that he had done, knowing the cost, knowing that his life would be required of him if he tells people about Jesus, still does it, still proclaims the gospel. And so what we see last week is God uses circumstances and ones that uh, we would perceive or we would look at as being very, very bad, very, very difficult, very, very rough situations. But God uses those situations to get the apostle Paul where he needed him to be so he could proclaim to a group of people that desperately needed to hear the gospel, that desperately needed to hear of hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. And so, um, like always, some hear the message of of the gospel and they uh, are awakened to their reality of their great need of Jesus and they believe and they're saved. And then some hear the gospel and they're uh, not awakened to the reality of their great need of Jesus and they don't believe and they go away just as lost as when they first got there. But the reality is this, Paul still continues to proclaim and still continues to preach the gospel. And I just want to beat on this drum for a moment because we need to be the same way. We need to be the same way. We need to understand that it's not us that saves. It's the Holy Spirit that awakens in people the reality of their lostness. And then in that, God draws them. And as he draws them, brings them to faith in Jesus. It's not us. Our responsibility is to proclaim. And our responsibility is to tell. It's God's work that saves. It's God is the one who saves. And so for us, last September, we started our series in the book of Acts. And as we started, Christianity uh, was around 120 men and women speaking face to face with the resurrected Jesus there in Jerusalem in that upper room. 120, that's all that there was, 120 men and women who believed and loved Jesus. And so what we see in the book as we finish the Apostle Paul's in Rome, some 3,000 miles away from Jerusalem, the very starting place where he was at when he started to proclaim, when, when the gospel was proclaimed, when Jesus ascends 3,000 miles away from Jerusalem with thousands upon thousands if not hundreds of thousands of believers in Christ. That's where we finished the book last week. And what we said is this, is that it took around 35 to 40 years. They go from 120 men and women in Jerusalem to 3,000 miles away with an empire that's beginning to be transformed by the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of that is the working of the Holy Spirit. All of that is the working of God, his plan, his purpose, exactly like he said he would. I think the thing that just amazes me is 35 to 40 years the spread of the gospel in the known world. 35 to 40 years, which is really not a long time. If you think about it, 35 to 40 years is nothing. And and to think, even as we look through the book of Acts, it says that that one whole uh, uh, group of people heard the gospel. It didn't say that they believed and come to faith, but they heard of who Jesus Christ was. 35 to 40 years is all it took. Church, can you imagine what we could do in three to five years? Can you imagine what what the church could do in the known world here today in three to five years? I mean, the resources that we have, 
the things that are readily available at our fingertips. I mean, they had no social media, so there was no posting. If you were going to go to another place and tell about Jesus, you walked from here to there. There's no jumping in a car or jumping on a plane. Like, Paul didn't make the plane trip 3,000 miles away. That's not how it worked. No, no, he, he walked, he went by boat, he was a prisoner, he was captive, taken to Rome. And so can you imagine what we could do if the church would just get serious about the vision of Christ for his church? Can you imagine what God could do and accomplish in us? The opportunities are endless, church. What we could see God do in our world today. I mean, we see at one time thousands of people coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I mean, can you imagine how God could use us to shape and mold our country, our land, our people? I mean, imagine all that we could do. So my prayer back in September when we started this, or even before when we started this series, that God would allow us to get just our heart, get a God-sized vision for his church, that that God would shape us and mold us into the image of his people where we truly saw what the church is about, where we truly saw who the church is supposed to be, when we truly see the, the heartbeat behind everything that God wants to do in this world. That was my prayer. And so my hope is over the next week, weeks, month, years, that what we'll do is we'll point back to what God did in us through the book of Acts. What God did in us as we walk chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book of Acts, allowing his Holy Spirit to reveal, his Holy Spirit to draw, his Holy Spirit to do a work in us, to shape us and mold us into the image of his beloved son. Oh, I cannot wait to see what God will do through us as a result of working through uh, the very first church, seeing how the first church did everything, seeing how the gospel was spread, seeing the heartbeat behind everything that took place in the book of Acts. My hope for us, church, is that that same passion, that same desire, that, that the Holy Spirit would fall heavy upon us and he would wreck us to the point of where we're completely abandoned to the cause of the gospel. We're completely abandoned to the, abandoned to the vision of what he has for his church. So I'm gonna ask you this morning if you'd pray with me and we'll jump in this morning in Acts chapter one, verse eight. God, we love you. so desperately need you. Holy Spirit, wake us up this morning in this place. God, may we see the seriousness behind your word, the seriousness behind what you did a couple thousand years ago. God, may we feel the weight of that. God, may may we see and sense just by the way of your Holy Spirit of our great need to obey, to take serious the call to share the gospel. So God, as we look at your word this morning, as we see and we revisit the very first thing that we looked at when we started the series, God, I pray that you will awaken in us the reality of your Holy Spirit. Oh, would you do a work in this place this morning? God, would you save the lost? God, would you draw those that are in sin? God, would we be a people about repentance and being serious about the things that you're serious about? God, help us this morning. Jesus, please help us. And we pray, amen. So we're gonna look at the verse that, like I said, started this whole thing, that everything in the book of Acts hinges upon, and then we're gonna end with how to apply this verse. So verse eight of chapter one is the very mission statement of the book of Acts. The very mission statement, everything that the book of Acts hinges right here on this verse, everything that the book of Acts is about is right here in this verse. Everything that we looked at, that we talked about over the last eight, nine months, pertain, as it pertains to Christianity, and the church hinges on this very verse. And so this is what the verse says, Acts um, chapter one, verse eight, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the mission verse, the very mission and goal of the book of Acts is right here. 
And so what I want to do is I just want to break it down for a moment for us this morning. I want to visit and look at four things that is proclaimed here in this verse. And the first thing is the promise. The first thing is the promise that we see. And the thing that we need to know is this, is that when Jesus makes a promise, it's not like us making a promise. It's not like us flippantly saying something or for us to to try to to hold true and and make whatever we say happen and come true because what I've learned in life is this, is that we're very limited. We are very, very limited. We are are fragile. We are are just limited people. And so uh, when we make a promise, there's a lot of other factors that that play in that uh, promise that we make. Is there not? I mean, I've got a a boy that's seven and and he likes promises to be made to him. He loves to play ball. And so uh, we'll be driving home. We'll be going somewhere. And he's like, Dad, when we get home, can we play ball? Ball. Can we play football? Can we play basketball? Can we play golf? Can we kick a ball? Can we, something with the ball, can we do it? And I'm like, yes, buddy, we can. And I have all intentions to do that. Uh, why do you laugh? Like, I really do have intentions. Like, I want, like I, I want to do that. I want to get out there and I want to play and I want to kick and I want to get all my energy out because it's just a short span that I have. And so let's just waste it all right now. So I'm all for it. Until those clouds come rolling in, right? And he don't understand why we can't kick a ball in a thunderstorm. Lightning, we can play baseball, metal bat with, with lightning, that's never good, never good. He just doesn't understand. Well, see, there's factors that are outside of my uh, ability to control. I can't control the weather. I can't control uh, what's happening uh, with the weather or with the storms or with rain and all of those kinds of things, but that's not the case with God, is it? So when God makes a promise, he's good for his promise. And so what do I get from my little boy? The moment that I say, yes, buddy, well, Dad, when are we going home? Well, Dad, what are we doing next? Well, Dad, you said, well, Dad, Dad, hey, Dad, Dad, well, you know what? I've got a ball in the car right now. We can just, in this parking lot would be a great place to play ball. I mean, it's just crazy stuff like that. And what it got me thinking was, is, should that not be a picture of us? Hey, God, God, remember? God, you said, God, you promised power. God, God, you made this promise. God, you promised. God, this is what you were. And we're not doing it to remind God. I believe that we should do that more for us than for him. Because it reminds us of who he is. It reminds us of his promise. It reminds us of his goodness and what he said that he will do and he will accomplish. I believe it should be for us. Because what we know is this, is God makes this promise here in the book of Acts. And he promised power. And he promised witness. That's what he promised to these believers here. And what I know to be true is throughout the years, even for us here today, the same promise rings true. God promises for the church, the early church here, the believers here in Jerusalem, that you will receive power and you will be my witness. And church, the same thing is true for us. We will receive power and we will be his witness. We just need to do it. We need to submit to that. So if you're a believer here in this place this morning, you can bank on that promise. You can know without a shadow of a doubt that you will receive and that you will be. I believe the heartbreaking part is what do we do with that promise? What do we do with that promise? I mean, think about it. The creator of the universe makes us a promise. Why would we not cash in on it? Why would we not take advantage of it? Why would we not be like my seven-year-old boy? Hey, hey God, hey, God, there's a parking lot right there. Let's go. Hey, God, hey, God, did you see that person that I work with over there? Hey, God, hey, God, at the ball field, that person sitting on the other side of the, over there? Well, God, what about them? Hey, God, you said I'm going to have power and then I'm going to have uh, this promise to be your witness. God, why not now? Why not here? Why don't we like that? God, hey, God, right here, right now. God, 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 why don't we do it like that? So he says, believe, receive, and walk it out. Man, this is a promise from God that we can bank on. The second thing that we see in the scripture is this, is power. So we see promise, and now we see power. And this is power that they have never experienced before. 
This is power beyond their wildest dreams and imaginations. I mean, they have seen and witnessed power, but they were uh, about to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who would open up to them this whole new world of walking in power as it pertains to God. This whole new God part in them that's gonna take up residence and give them the ability to do things that are outside of them for the glory and honor of God. And so what we know about the power of the Holy Spirit is this, is that the Holy Spirit gives boldness. So when you're meek and you're mild and you don't know what to say or you're kind of cowering back what we know to be true and as we see in the book of Acts, because these are cowardly men who were scared to death for their life. I mean, what do they do when Jesus is crucified? They run away, right? They're not there. Uh, there's nothing bold or, or uh, uh, resilient about them in those moments. No, they, they were cowardly chickens that run off. That's what they do. And then what do we see when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in them? I mean, they are saying things that you would have never imagined them to say to a, a group of people you would have never imagined them to say it to. You, you just see that over and over and over. So the Holy Spirit gives us the uh, boldness. Something else that the Holy Spirit gives us is wisdom. You ever in a moment, you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do? You don't know how to act or react? And it's just kind of like in that moment, for whatever reason, God just fills you with his spirit. And as he fills you with his spirit, you have the, the best words to say or the right response for that moment or that circumstance or that situation. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. He gives us wisdom where wisdom is needed. He gives us action where action is needed. We also see throughout the book of Acts that large numbers were added to the church. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit drawing, the Holy Spirit saving and revealing to, in the hearts of people their great need for him. In the book of Acts, we see that sick are healed. We see that God uses uh, men and women to, to heal the sick, to raise the dead because of the power of the Holy Spirit in them. And all of this is because of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. But it only happens in believers. This only takes place in the believers. Do you feel the rub there for a moment? Do you feel the struggle there for a moment? Why are we not experiencing that power? We have the promise, we've got the power. Why are we not experiencing that power? And so I guess maybe the most loving way I could ask this morning is this, are you his? Like, do you belong to him? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you come to faith in Jesus Christ through the gospel, through what he has done, through the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross? Have you put your faith and trust in him? And it's not just, yeah, I believe, and then we go on our merry way, everything is good and everything's uh, grand and joyous, and we just go on living life the way that we live, because that's not true salvation, people. No, 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 no. True salvation of faith and abandonment of all that I am is found all in all that he is. And in that, it's a work of the Holy Spirit to change me, to draw me. And we'll talk more about this here in a few minutes. But it's not one of those things, oh, yeah, I believe and I go back to my life and live. No, no. When people that are dead come to life, there's a major change, is there not? I mean, there's an obvious difference. There should be a longing and a yearning and a wanting and a, a glad obedience to the things of God now. And if there's none of that in your heart and in your life, you need to check your source. Because all I know is this, is that the early church experienced power, did they not? Church, we should be experiencing power individually and corporately. We should experience this power of the Holy Spirit working in us, working in this world, working in our community, working in our culture, all of those things we should experience and see. See, we're no different than the other church. We have the Holy Spirit living in us as well. At the moment of conversion, at the moment of salvation, he takes up residence in us. And when he takes up residence, man, we have the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit within us whereby we can live out and be outside of who we are. That's the only way that we can do anything 
It is by God and his power, not on our own power. So my question is this, how do we access the power of the Holy Spirit? How do we get access to that? Where do we plug in? What do we do to to fully get that, to experience that, to have that? I'm so happy you asked because I've got four things for us. The first thing is this, is we need to immerse ourselves in the word of God. We need to immerse ourselves in the Bible. Hear me, it's almost certain that you will not be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit if you're not filled with the power of the word of God. You hear me? You won't experience that if you're not filled with the word of God. Luke 24, 48 teaches that the power is given for effective witness. And we witness primarily with the word of God. That's how we do it. You want power, power's in his word, not our word, not our might, but in his. And so there's no reason to think that God will ignite the powder of his spirit if you do not load your rifle with the bullet of the word. There's no reason to think that if we're not immersed in God's word. Luke 4.14 says that Jesus returned from the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. And how had he fought the devil with his power in the wilderness? Every time he was attacked, how did he answer? It is written. It is written. What does he do? He goes to God's word. He quotes God's word. That's what he does. Jesus was full of the Spirit because he was full of the word of God. See a connection? Maybe the reason why we're not experiencing power is because we're not full of God's word. We don't know what God's word is. We don't know the promises to claim. We don't know how to live the life that he's called us to live is because we don't know his word. So if you want power that comes from the Holy Spirit in your life, you get in his word. Church, if you're tired of being a weak replica of ordinary non-Christians, then change your routine and immerse yourself in God's word. Read it. Think about it. Memorize it. Meditate on it, use it, live it out. All of those things we need to do as believers and men and women of God, the power will be released in that. Second thing, the way that we access the power of the Holy Spirit is to believe the word of God. It's not enough just to immerse yourself in the word of God, to know the word of God, but we've gotta believe the word of God. And so let me be a little more specific. We need to trust that God intends to do wonderful things for his glory through us because that's what the Bible teaches. We've gotta believe it, we've gotta walk in it, we've gotta know it. Be expectant that the Holy Spirit within you will give you power according to God's word. Galatians 3, 5 says this. You've got Paul and he says, do, uh, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law by hearing with faith. We know it's by hearing with faith. It's not the, not the law that supplies that power. It's hearing by faith. Hearing what? The word of God, the promises of God. I mean, as they fall in our ears and trickle to our heart, man, a glad obedience can be lived out. A changing of heart can be lived out. A changing of attitude, a changing of heart. All of those things can take place. See, that's the good guidance of God. We believe the word and in, in that we're confident and expectant that God's aim is to do wonderful things through us for his glory. So the Holy Spirit always fills the heart by way of faith. Always fills the heart by way of faith. How's your faith meter? How are you living by faith? What does that look like? By faith, not by sight. What are you believing and trusting God in? What are you walking in in regards to him? The third way that that we access power of the Holy Spirit is this, is that we pray to be filled by the Holy Spirit. We pray and ask for it. That's what we do. According to Acts 1.13, this is what the disciples devoted themselves to in Jerusalem during the 10 days of waiting for Pentecost. All these with one accord devoted themselves to prayer. That's what they did. 
You know how it looks for me? It's, it's that exact same thing. What I do is this. is I, In the morning, the alarm goes off. Uh, through the week, Meredith gets up just a few minutes before me, gets the beautification process going, all that good stuff. And then, and then I get up, and then I start mine, which takes a lot longer. No, anyways. But I start mine, and then after I get uh, finished, and I get the boys up and stuff like that. But before I roll out of bed, what I do is this, is I always roll over to my phone. And it's not to check and see what everybody else is doing. It's not to update statuses. It's not to check on everybody else's statuses, but it's to, to check the word of God. So I go to my Bible app because I want to start out. Like, I want to start out in the word of God. And, and I know that the morning's going to get crazy and I know stuff's going to uh, just spiral from everywhere and stuff's going to come at me. But what I want to do is I want to submerge myself in God's word. And it's so cool this morning how God did it. Because I'm thinking, okay, like we've been in this thing now since September and, and you really should have finished last week, but Scott, you're dragging it out one more week. What are you doing? And it's just such a good confirmation this morning. When I roll over and I read John 14, 26, and it says, this says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, that's who the helper is, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I mean, is that not just awesome? I'm sitting here like battling, okay, here we go again, Acts again, what do we do? Uh, then next, what, 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 should I, should I not? Let's just cut this thing off. When do you kill a dying horse? You know what I'm saying? Like those kinds of things. What, what, what? And then God shows me through his word. No, no, who are we talking about this morning? The Holy Spirit. I mean, it just blows my mind. Just in that moment, I just feel like God confirms, just wraps his arms around me and says, boy, you preach and you tell them about my Holy Spirit. You tell them of who I am in, in regards to the Spirit and what I'll do in them. He's the helper the Father will send in his name. He's gonna teach us all things. I mean, church, that's what the Holy Spirit's gonna do. That's what happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He teaches us and he draws us to his word. He gives us an appetite for his word, for learning and growing and knowing. He's gonna teach us all things and he's gonna to bring to our remembrance all that he said. And so I love that. I love that fact that, that this morning whenever I did that and then after, after I read God's word, first thing, then I roll back over and I say, God, just fill me. And that's all I pray. God, fill me with your spirit today. God, fill me, please, God, fill me with your spirit. Help me act and do things that, that are besides myself, that would point glory and honor. God, just fill me. And then throughout the day, I'll just put those little just, just shotgun prayers. God, fill me with your spirit. God, fill me with your spirit. And then when that call comes through or I've got that meeting coming up or something happens or I'm walking through the store and maybe there's a situation or circumstance, God, just fill me. God, fill me. God, help me. God, help me give me words. God, show me what to say. God, show me what to do because there's a lot of things that I would like to do and I would like to say that are not of God but of Scott. And I've got to empty that so I can be filled with his presence because what I've learned is this, you can't be filled with two things. It didn't work that way. I'm either filled with Scott or I'm filled with the presence of God by way of the Holy Spirit. And I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit because I know how Scott acts. I know how Scott says. I know how Scott reacts and what Scott does. I want the Holy Spirit because I know how God acts and how he does and what comes from that. He gets glory and honor. So we need to be filled. And the way we're filled, we, we, we pray. In other ways, we fast. So when we pray earnestly, sometimes we even fast and we ask that God would give us our heart's desires for his power and witness. And he will fill us and do just that. He'll fill us and do just that. The fourth way, the fourth way that we have access to power of the Holy Spirit is just to obey the Holy Spirit. Whenever God presses upon our heart something to do, we do it, we obey. My question is this, have you resisted the Holy Spirit so often that when he presses on you the act of obedience that you're unfit to allow the flow of his power in? Have the channels become so clogged with fear, maybe self-consciousness, maybe doubt, rationalization, maybe a worldly absorption that we allow through is just a bare discernible trickle of God's puddling. 
Just a small trickling. Is that really God? Ah, maybe not. I should do this. Church, we have access to power that is unimaginable. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? If we just obey, if we just seek, we just ask God to fill us. What I've learned and what I know is he, feels that he wants to fill us much more than we want to be filled. His desire and his heart is to fill us much more than what we're willing to uh, lay ourselves bare and ask him to fill us with. I know that. So we've got to get our hearts to the place where we say, God, fill me. God, help me. Empty me of me so that I can be you in this world. So in Acts 1.8, we see the promise. We see the power. The third thing we say is, see is the plan. He says, and you will be my witness. And so I want to start by saying that everyone is being a witness, whether you realize it or not. Everyone is being a witness. And I saw this played out firsthand this morning. Every single person in this church is being a witness, whether you realize it or not. So I get here early on Sunday mornings, and as I'm here early, kind of setting things up, getting ready, kind of running through some notes, doing some stuff like that, uh, I always take the coffee from the fellowship hall uh, back out here so everybody can have access to it easy, and you can get your coffee, get your fill there, we can get this thing started off good, right? Holy Spirit and coffee go together, this is how he works. Um, and so, so I'm doing that, and I'm moving it, and as I'm out there, my little boy looks at me and says, Dad, I said, yeah, buddy, he says, um, do you know why Hannah's so small? And I'm thinking, Hannah. I'm like, Hannah, who's Hannah? Maybe a kid from his class. Maybe. I said, Hannah, who, buddy? And he says, Hannah, you know the one that, that sings and helps lead and does that? You know why she's so small? And so I'm intrigued now. Uh, no, buddy, why is she so small? Because she drinks coffee. <laughs> Has that been scientifically proven? Oh, yeah. You're sure? Yeah. Oh, how do you know that? Matt told me. <laughs> so her husband... Told my little boy that the reason why she's so small is because she drinks coffee. So I'm just claiming the rest of it out there. Everybody else, leave it alone. It's mine. I know that's kind of a goofy, goofy little story, but, but is that not true? So he believes. He believes. So give him some good stuff too, okay? He believes that. He, he witnessed and told him of that. Church, that should be us. Imagine what that would be like in Jesus. And I believe that's why my boys are where they're at because there's people pouring into him, not coffee, but Jesus, telling him the truth about Jesus. Like right now as he's back there hearing the songs and singing some more songs and jumping up and down and having a good time, and as they have the lesson, as they've, they've worked hard and they've prayed and they've prepared and they've, they've got this curriculum that they've, they've vetted and looked at and they want to do everything they can to pour Jesus into these kids. From the that's what we're going to do this week. I mean, I mean, who honestly wants to do VBS? Okay, One person. <laughs> Kill my illustration, Edith. No. But it is good, isn't it? But it wears you out. It wears you down. It, it, it just tires you out like crazy. But man, to see the joy on the stage of these kids jumping around, man, to see tonight whenever they step into that room with the Apostle Paul. And Paul starts to tell them the story. Like I remember a few years ago whenever I had the opportunity to play that part, my son was tore slap up because Josh, the guy that cameras for us, was the Roman soldier that had me in captivity and chained and he was ticked at Josh. <laughs> you don't do that. I thought he was a Christian, Dad. He is, but he takes a break for like two hours, but it's, it's all good. <laughs> I mean... But doing that and living that out and being able to be that witness and share with these kids and pour out. And yes, we're tired. Yes, we're frustrated. Yes, it's long. And thank God, thank God the Holy Spirit fills us with his presence and helps us press on and helps us get over ourselves so that we can share and tell and witness. 
who Jesus Christ is. He says, you will be my witness. And church, that's an amazing way for us to be his witness. VBS and the children out there everywhere telling people about coffee at the coffee pot, telling them about Jesus there everywhere. We have opportunity to share and be his witness. And what he says is this, is that if we belong to him, the Holy Spirit's gonna fill us and we can't help but tell about Jesus. That should be the reality. So the way that we talk, the way that we act, the way that we, we react, the way that we parent, the way that we coach, teach, drive, all of that should point people somewhere. And for us, it should be to Jesus. So we witness by our actions, we witness by our talk, either for the glory of God or for the glory of self. That's what we do. That's what we do. So we have to tell. Church, it's a life or death circumstance. It's a life or death situation. And the thing I love about it is God is still using the exact same plan to complete and do what he's called thousands of years ago to do. The fourth thing that we're gonna look at in this verse is the purpose, the where. Where do we do this? How do we go? How do we go about it? He says, in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is not talking on an occasional word of witness in our same circle of culture, same circle of friends and influences. Yes, we should be talking there, but he's talking outside of this even more because he tells us right here where to go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That He's talking about an ever-expanding effort to penetrate more and more of Satan's strongholds of unbelief. That's what he's calling us. That's what he's asking us to do. And my fear is that we've got a small vision for the spread of the gospel. See, Jesus tells his disciples, Jerusalem. And when he says that, what he's saying is this, is the place that you're at. The very place that you are, that's where you witness. That's where you tell. So as I give the illustration of what my morning looks like, your morning, as you get up and do your thing and as you head out the door, boom, it starts. Or really it even starts in the home before you head out that morning. It starts. So as you go to work, to the gym, to get your coffee, whatever, however you do it, that's where you're to be a witness. You're Jerusalem. The, the place where you reside, the place where you're at, the place where you do life most, those places. So for us as the church, it's Bowling Springs, it's Spartanburg. It's here, it's our community. It's where we're at, it's Inman, Bowling Springs, Chesney. These places around us, that's where it's at. He says, then to, to Judea and Samaria. And what that is is just the neighboring areas. As we spread out and get further and further out, so Columbus, Tron, Union, Greenville, Columbia, Charleston, maybe Myrtle Beach, those places, as we go, as we live our life, as we do what we do, those places, we're to be his witness, we're to tell. But what, what, we'll never know what happens if we tell somebody about Jesus at the beach. Who cares? Who cares if we know what happens? We're called to be obedient and to tell, to be his witness. We get power, we witness. That's what we do. Those two things go hand in hand. We tell people. It's not up to us to see what the results are, to see what, the, what happens after. We're to tell and to share and to love and to live it out. We're to witness is what we're to do. We can't, we've got to quit justifying with ridiculous reasons of why we don't tell, why we shouldn't. Well, we'll never know, or they may argue. Hear me, they'll never argue if you don't tell them. 100% of the time, they'll never talk back to you if you don't start the conversation with them with Jesus. They'll never do it. They'll never ask questions. They'll never disagree. They'll never do nothing if we don't engage. Church, we're called to be his witness. We receive power and we witness. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. And so when we think we're finished, then God goes and he does this. He says, oh, by the way, to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. See, I believe what God's doing is saying this is because I think he knows how we're wired all too well. And I think he, he knows that whenever we, um, 
whenever we think we've done something, then we kind of back off and we kind of quit. And we kind of, well, I've, I got my quota in this week. I told one person, my quota, I'm good to go. And I believe that's why God says what he says here is to the ends of the earth. Church, our mission's never done. Our mission and our calling to go be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and to witness and tell people about Jesus is never finished. The ends of the, when was the last time you were at the ends of the earth? Now, I know you may think the other side of Chesney is the ends of the earth, but it's not. Myrtle Beach is not the, when you get to the ocean there, it continues to go, right? Charleston, Myrtle Beach, that's not the ends of the earth. West Coast, that's not the ends of the earth. There's, there's other continents and places out there. There are actually people out there that have never heard the name of Jesus. Our job is not done. We're not finished. We're called to go and be his witness to the ends of the earth, wherever that may be, wherever that, wherever that is. Our Jerusalem, our hometown, our Judea, Samaria, around us, by the way, everywhere we go, anywhere and everywhere, that's what we're to do. We gather so we can scatter. We come and we're refilled so we can go and we can be emptied. That's the plan. That's the game plan. That's what God calls us to do. So the application, how do we live this out? Matthew 28, real fast as I wind down. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. And I just want to go ahead and just, just ease some of the tension here because this is going to be a verse that we're going to look at for the rest of our life. As long as I'm your pastor, we're going to always circle back to this verse because this is such an important verse in who we are, one, as believers, and two, as his church here at New Life. This is going to, this, I mean, this, this, I want this to be our DNA. Like, like I, want you to, I want you to know, Matthew 28 again, here we go, the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Oh, and you're to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, commanding them to obey all that I've taught you. And lo, I'm with you even to the ends of the earth. Like, like I want this to be our DNA. I want this to be who we are. I want us to, to know this verse. And so we're always gonna circle back to, we're always gonna look at this because I believe, I believe what we just looked at flows from this. I believe what we just talked about in Acts 1, we're gonna receive power. And when we receive power with the Holy Spirit living in us, we're gonna witness. And as we witness, we're gonna do what Jesus has called us to do as his church, which this is everything that we wanna be about here as, as a body of believers, Everything that we do is, is embodied in these verses, Acts 1-8, Matthew 28, and this is what Jesus says to them. He says, all authority, 28-18, all authority, he says. Not a little bit, but all. I mean, think about that for a moment, the authority of Jesus that he's already exerted, that he's already shown his authority already. I mean, he just speaks and things happen, does it not? I mean, I mean, there's a time where his disciples and him are on this boat and this storm kind of uh, blows up and as it blows up, the boat begins to, to kind of shake and, and wrestle and Jesus is down in the bottom sleeping and they go wake him up because they're scared to death. And what does Jesus do? He just says, hey, stop. Not the disciples, but to the wind and to the waves and to the storm. And what does the storm do? It just stops. I mean, look at that authority. Look, I mean, he just speaks and nature just obeys. I'm also thinking when we think authority, think on the spiritual realm. That, that was nature realm there. Think of the spiritual realm as, as Jesus speaks and he does and as he interacts. And there's this time he comes upon this, uh, this man that has um, got a, a, a demon that li is living within him. And he rolls up on the scene and the demon engages Jesus. And the demon says, are you here to destroy us now before the appointed time? And Jesus ends up casting the demon out. But is that not amazing? Uh, anybody like into those exorcist movies? I mean, this is not, not a trick thing. I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna jump you here. This is not like an illustration. Like anybody into those? I mean, it's, it's good, go ahead. I mean, raise your, I see that hand. 
yeah, they, they kind of freak me out, weird me out, like the head spinning and like pea soup going everywhere. Those kind of, that just scares me. I don't know why, but I guess because it can be, it can be, it can happen. Like, I mean, read the scriptures, man. That stuff's real. And so I don't want to play with it. You know, like I just, it just freaks me out. And so I, I can just, so I, I just love it as Jesus rolls up on the scene. Like, like there's, there's no like, oh, I'm big boy. I don't know who you think you are. Let's go. Like, no, no, there's none of that. The, the demon just responds with, are you going to destroy us before our appointed time? And, and like they, they understand and they know who Jesus is. Everyone else, even his disciples are struggling trying to figure out who is this Jesus guy? What's he doing? They, they fail the lessons that he teaches over and over and over, but not the demons. No, 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 they, they stop and they shudder and they, they know who Jesus is. There's not even an argument. There's not even, okay, let, let, let's go at this. And like three rounds later, Jesus is getting worked a little bit, but out of nowhere, he, he defeats it. No, 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 they just stop in their tracks. Jesus, are you, are you gonna destroy us now? Even before the appointed time? Like they know there's a time coming when it's done for for them. Evil understands and knows. And so they just stop in that moment. I mean, you're talking about authority. You're talking about authority. Jesus just speaks and the spiritual realm just, just shudders evil to us. I mean, that's authority. I know authority is hard for us as Americans to get our heart around because we're the home of the free, land of the brave, right? And we've worked hard and we have fought good and we have done all of this and we are free, thank the Lord. Nobody can tell me nothing to do. Church, that is such a lie from the pit of hell. As believers, we're owned people. As believers, Jesus has all authority. That's what this, whether you're a believer or not, Jesus has all authority, whether you like it or not. You can fight against it all you want, but even in your disbelief and even in your rebellion, God's still gonna use it for his glory somehow, some way. And so Jesus says, man, all authority, he says we're in heaven and on earth everywhere. Every, whatever he says goes, he has all authority, it's given to him. And then look at what he says out of that authority because there's a therefore which points us back to that verse that tells us on which he says this and on that authority he gives a command in verse 19 and he says go. Upon his authority he says go. A better rendering of this verse would be as you are going would be a better rendering. Out of his authority, he tells his believers, his disciples to go, to live your life. So as you are going, so as you're at the game, as you're at Walmart, as you're eating lunch, as you're on vacation, as you are going, as you are living your life day to day, you're to be his witness because you're filled with power and you're to go and you're to do and you're to live this out. What are we to go and do? We're to go and make disciples. That's what we're to do. Make disciples, not converts. So often we get wound up, okay, I shared the gospel, they believe, now I'm done. No, we engage, we step in, we do life with, we walk with, we see it through. That's what we do as believers. We raise them up, we help them, we walk with those that come to know Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples. A disciple is someone who's saved. So in that we share the gospel in that we proclaim, in that we live humbly, in that we show hospitality. We do all of those different things as an avenue to share the gospel. And so a true disciple is someone who's saved. The second factor in being a disciple is someone who's being changed. You look less like you and more like Jesus. And so what Jesus tells them is to go, make disciples, share the gospel, see people saved, see them being changed. And the last thing about a disciple is someone who's on mission with Christ doing the same thing that Jesus has called his church to do, doing the same thing that Jesus did, raising up more disciples. Go therefore make disciples of all nations. And I think again, he does this again because we're so quick to check out when we've, done our, when we've met our quota. Isn't that just our, the life in the world we live? Okay, I've made one this year, I'm done. 
I made one in the last 15 years. I'm done. No, 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 no. Church, we engage. We don't ever stop because of look at what he says. Of all nations, same thing. Did you see that verbiage over in Acts 1 8? What what's God's heart and his desire? For everybody to come to know Jesus, to get the message out to everybody everywhere. That's his heart and that's his desire. And who does he use? He uses the church. Make disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do he say baptize them? I think we're quick to wax over this, but baptism is such an important thing. It's our first act in obedience to Jesus, is it not? Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't save you. What baptism does is identifies you. It doesn't, salvation should have already happened. If you get in the, if you get in the water lost, you come up lost. It doesn't wash all your sins off and make you clean. No, that's not what it does. It just identifies you. It says, yes, me going down, I believe everything that Jesus has said. I believe that everything that he has claimed, I believe he is who he says he is and he's done what he said he has done. And so I go down believing that and I come up believing that. Pointing to saying, yes, I belong to Jesus. That's what baptism does. It's an identifier. It points to, it shows that I belong to Jesus, that I believe in Jesus, that I want to be his disciple. It puts the bullseye on us is what it does. And then he goes on, he says this, so make disciples, all nations, you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then this is what you do, you teach them. So to teach them, you gotta continue to walk with them, right? To teach them, you gotta do life with them. Teaching them what? To observe all that I've commanded you. Everything that I've said. Teaching them to be obedient to that, all that I've commanded, all that I've said, all that I'm about. And then I love this part, I love this part. He says, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of age. What I love about this is simply this, again, another promise that we can cling to. You know, there's that promise in Scripture, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Boom, right there it is. Is there not fluidity throughout the Scriptures, how it's just woven together? How, how God, by way of his Holy Spirit, pressing upon man's heart to pen and write? I mean, the same thing is just echoed. Like, you know, there's just one theme throughout the whole Scriptures, right? And it's Jesus. And there we see it again. He gives that promise again that I'll, uh, I'll be with you always. Man, I love that. He doesn't just say, okay, now go do it and figure it out. Good luck, boys. Good luck, girls. No, 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 no. I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go with you. And so we fast forward to Acts 1.8. What do we see? We see the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in us, do we not? I mean, what, what greater promise is that? That the Holy Spirit's gonna take up residence in us and live in us and give us the power that we need to accomplish and do all that Jesus has commanded us? And with you always, even to the end of the age. When you die, I'm right there. I'm gonna walk with you through it all. I'm gonna empower you and give you what you need to see and make this happen. So as the band comes back up this morning, my question for you is this as we close out the book of Acts. What has God started in your heart as a result of his word over the last nine months? This morning, what has he stirred in your heart? How are you gonna respond? How have you been responding? In obedience, in disobedience? I'm gonna tell you right now, the thing that the book of Acts has done in my heart is, has given me a greater and bigger vision and has shown me that I've got a lot to learn as it pertains to the church. I've got a lot more that I need to be depending on God for than I do. Man, the power to witness, the power to tell, make disciples. Man, man I see what happens in the book of Acts and I'm praying that God would do something crazy like that amongst us as believers here at New Life that God would stir and do that he, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna see 3,000 saved. I, I, wanna see, I wanna see this place flipped upside down. I wanna see our whole community change as a result of the gospel 
us living it out. Man, I want to see demons flee and shudder. I want to see the dead brought back to life. I want to see all of those things happen. So the questions I want to ask you as we close is this. Have you received the Holy Spirit? And the only way that you receive the Holy Spirit is by being saved. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? And if you have, are you living in that power of the Holy Spirit? If not, why? If not, why? Maybe a better question is this, what are you going to do about it? Maybe I brought, up, I brought it before you this morning and it's been brought to your attention. So that's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. You empty yourself so you can be filled with him. So what are you going to do about it? You're going to be broken over your sin or you're going to be desperate before God? That's how, you, that's how you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You ask and you plead and you beg and you implore and you stay in the ear of God constantly. You get in his word act out obedience how are you doing with obedience to Jesus maybe is there a need to repent maybe this is a question to ask you who are you actively sharing the gospel with who are you telling about Jesus a co-worker the random restaurant that you uh, uh, visit weekly maybe there's somebody there that you can share Jesus with maybe another question to ask you who are you discipling who are you walking with weekly basis, telling about Jesus, sharing your life, pouring your life out, letting them pour their life into you for the sole purpose of seeing them raised up to be more like Jesus, to go do it with somebody else? Maybe another question is who's discipling you? Maybe you need to find somebody to disciple you. So maybe there's someone in this sanctuary this morning that needs to go to someone and says, hey, would you just pour into me? I mean, I can give you an hour a week just to pour into me to share Jesus. Man, I love that. I, I know Tyler and I was talking and I think, and, and I'm just gonna, how many, how many leaders do you have right now actively discipling students in this youth group? Five, five leaders, adult leaders, untrained, uneducated. And what I mean by that is it's not professionally trained or educated. Just men and women who love Jesus so much that they say, we wanna pour into some students. And so what they do is that they, they give up an hour of their week to do that to have intentional conversation with high school and middle school students centered around the reality of the gospel. I mean, is that not phenomenal, church? Is that not amazing? I know there's another leader that's doing the same thing. I know there's other people actively discipling, walking with, doing the same thing. Church, that's what we're to be about. That's what we're to do. So what we have is Acts and the Apostle Paul over a 35, 40 year span. All of this takes place and the church gets to where it is. Paul is in Rome sharing with the highest of authorities. And just imagine what God could do in us the next three to five years. If we're just obedient in sharing the gospel, if we're just obedient in inviting people to join us, if we're just obedient in living it out, if we're just obedient in making disciples like Jesus tells us to do in Matthew 28. So my question for you this morning as we close is this, will you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and use you in a big way for the furtherance of the gospel? If you answer no to that question, you may need to check your salvation. You may need to check your heart. Because what I know is this, is that when God makes a promise, he fulfills his promise. And so for us as believers in this room, he says he's gonna fill us and he's make us a, make us a witness for him. What's God stirred in your heart? Lord, help us this morning in this place. Be obedient. Share your truth. 
actively be involved in discipling people, walking with, being discipled ourselves. God, help us. Holy Spirit, fall hard upon this place. God, fill us with your spirit, I pray. Save the lost. Convict those that are in sin. God, draw us. Encourage. And we pray. Amen. If you guys would stand, the band's going to lead us this morning in a time of response. If you need to come pray, if you need to actively pursue someone this morning, this morning and ask questions or invite them in or whatever the case is that God serves on your heart, you be obedient.